triple play fantasies basketball show with Doc, Coach, and Brass Dadamas starts now. Welcome, players, to the Triple Play Fantasy Basketball Show, a proud member of the Fantrax Podcast Network and the Fantrax HQ family. Your host, Emendi, Doc, back in the hosting chair. Got to give a quick shout-out to my guy, Coach, though. Coach, great job hosting last week. You made me very proud. <laughs> I'm just trying to follow the footsteps of the, of the GOAT that is Doc Mendy. I I am not even anywhere close to that status. I forgot to properly. E, e man, you do the you do the best intro. So I was try I, when I did the intro. I definitely thought about that because you just knock it out the park every time. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And uh, I forgot to properly introduce you as James Donaldson Lewis. But introducing the other guy, the one that's never short of hot takes, we got Brad Kilgore and Brad. I know that I didn't find an NBA player, you know, throwing off, not, not hosting last week and being on our 20th episode. I just ran out. So instead I have this. You got me. You know where that's from? No, no, I don't. It's, it's from breaking bad. When Walt, when uh, Walt jokes to the DA that, Oh, you found me, but you oh, got me. Oh, that's right. That's you got right. me. You got me. I'm done. I'm done. I ran out. <laughs> but we have a guest joining us today. This man is a New Yorker, so we know he's been suffering through with sports. The co-author of the NBA story and co-host of the Basement Boys podcast. If I had to say his condition, it's mint. And that's because we welcome in Eric Mincer. What's going on? What's going on? I love that intro. You know, great first name and last First letter of last name. We're both Eric M's. Let's just rule the world, right? Yeah. Let's start the Eric M takeover. And the next thing you know, it's our world. I, I like that. I like that. And we're going to start with two here and then just keep on multiplying. But, fellas, we have a great show planned for today. First little bit of news and notes. Anthony Davis re-aggravated an Achilles injury and suffered a right calf strain and is facing a four-week minimum recovery timetable via Javon Buha of the Athletics. The Lakers are 22-8, and eight, the current number two seed in the West. So, Coach, I want to start with you with this. If you were the Lakers, how would you handle this injury, and are you worried about their chances of repeating? Um, I mean, you're always worried about trying to repeat. Um, how would I handle it? Play with the bigs that you have. I mean, you got Montrez Harrell. You got Marcus Saul, who's not having a great season thus far. You got Markeith Morris, Kuzma, LeBron can play big. Um, you don't need, you don't need to do anything drastic here. Um, if you can if you can stumble across a, a buyout big, you know your your ears perk up and you try to make a sign. But uh, you you play it you play the waiting game. You wait till Anthony Davis gets healthy. I mean he's been hurt his whole career, and um, hopefully the four weeks will get him right for when it's time. If you don't have AD when it matters, then it becomes a huge problem, right? Then Utah and the Clippers. Um, the sleeping giants of the league, then you really have problems come the postseason. But I, I think you just you play. I mean, LeBron's playing every day. You'll you'll be able to beat the bad teams and still be a you know a top three seed come playoff time. Okay, so would you rest him the rest of the regular season? No, 
No, you want to you want to get him in some type of group for um, the playoffs, and maybe they make a, a couple roster changes here and there. You want to see how that chemistry works out, but you don't hold him out till the playoffs. You definitely want to get him um, in, in some type of groove. I know he's he's very valuable defensively, even when his offense isn't clicking. Uh, but you want you want to play safety, but. I've seen players get rolled out in the playoffs and it hasn't really uh, worked out well, whether it's they're just not in the groove or whether, uh, you know, those injuries can kind of linger. So be safe, but uh, bring him back before the playoffs. Okay. No, very, very true point. Eric, I see that you have a Carmelo Anthony jersey in the background, but if you were the Lakers, how would you handle Anthony Davis? Well, I, I agree with James. Uh, James, I also got to say, I love your facial hair, man. It makes me want to believe everything you say, just so much more. The, the I, I completely agree. Lakers have the front court where if you if you let Marcus Gasol start and Montrezl Harrell play more minutes off the bench, Anthony Davis, of course, you know you want him out there. But the Lakers kind of have the luxury of LeBron can play big. You can use Kuzma more. They have more options. On the Lakers, if anything, I'm a little bit more concerned right now with Dennis Schroeder because he's out, and that means you have guys like Caruso playing more minutes where I trust like a Montrez Harrell for the next just month or so more than I would trust uh, Alex Caruso. Yeah, and I think that's a good point that, you know, injuries are kind of starting to pile up. And, you know, if you're the Lakers, you got to think bigger picture as you're trying to repeat. Brad, are your thoughts kind of similar to the other two? No, actually, I- I'm kind of terrified by this injury. You know, I... I was listening to uh, Tom Haberstroh's podcast and he had a, a, a doctor on and he was talking about the Kevin Durant injury and how tears of the Achilles can be a lot more difficult to see when they're very small or very partial. And he, he was talking about how, you know, Kevin Durant had the minor injury before the Achilles tear in the playoffs and everybody was wondering, did one thing lead to another? And looking back, you know, I think they would have wished that they had sat him longer and kind of let him heal up, get back to full strength before they brought him back. I think with Anthony Davis, you know, at they first it was like they were trying to they were trying to win the championship. They, 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 exactly. And Kevin, and Kevin okayed it, too. Let's be honest. He did say, I want to. I want sure. But, you know, in the Lakers position, you know, we're in the regular season right now. So if it were up to me. I'm I'm resting them way past that four weeks. I'm resting them maybe until two weeks left of the regular season. Let them get a, get into the playoffs and hit the ground rolling. But I think to bring him back when it looked initially like it was an Achilles tear, you know that look back where it looks like you know somebody might have stepped on your your foot. I think that that scares me. So I I'd probably let him. I put him on ice for a bit. In the Am way I they're categorizing it is the same thing is a, what a calf strain, and that's exactly. what they said with uh KD before it ultimately was yeah and, they go hand in hand the calf and the and Achilles and yeah, looking and, back looking back you know the doctors are saying it's very possible that KD might have just had a very small partial tear of his Achilles and then he tore it for real so so for the people that don't know when you strain a calf you're actually tearing part of the tendon I, I don't think people realize that here straining they're like okay that means an injury but it's actually yeah. a minor tear I think I'm in the minority. I wouldn't play him in the regular season. The Lakers are going to make the playoffs. Anthony Davis mm-hmm. is a veteran. He's been in the league 10 years. I think he it will take a little bit for him to get back, but I don't think the Lakers need home court. There wasn't any home court in the bubble last year. And you just signed him that extension. You want to make sure that he's healthy, not only for this season, but for future seasons as well. And I think LeBron could 
carry a team through the rest of the regular season, first round. I think you're really going to need Anthony Davis in the second round, the Western Conference Finals, and the NBA Finals if you make it. So I would go better to safe than sorry. But And to be honest, you know, he's not looking old like his old AD self this year. He's kind of – his numbers are down a bit. The usage rate's down. To me, I, I think it's more important, like you said, Eric, like protect your future. This is the guy that's going to be holding the torch for you when LeBron leaves. So – I, I don't think it's crazy to just sit him. Yeah, LeBron goes back to Cleveland two more years. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> next little bit of news and notes. Adam Silver says hosting the All-Star Game, quote, is the right thing to do. The event won't be open to the public, but the NBA and NBPA will donate more than $2.5 million to HBCUs as well as support awareness around equity and access to COVID-19 care and relief. We're not going to debate if the All-Star Game should be held or not because it's going to happen. But do you like the way that the NBA is handling it? And Eric, I want to start with you on this. I think the NBA is trying really hard to make it look like it's a good idea when they kind of know it's not a good idea. You know, like the public consensus has kind of been against it. And the NBA is trying to, like, make the donations and do what they need to do to make it seem like a a good idea where realistically, if they did what the NFL did and just kind of named all the players and did everything else that goes along with the All-Star game without actually having everybody meet together. I think that would be a better idea. Um, but I, I guess I'm okay with the way they're handling it. I, I, like you said, it's going to happen regardless. So I don't know. I personally don't necessarily agree with it. Yeah. And as a fan, it's nice that, you know, it's going to be there for the entertainment spectacle. I agree. I think in a pandemic, you want to have the least amount of games, but it's not up to us and the NBA has moved moving forward along with this. Brad, what are your thoughts? Um, I don't think it's that big a deal. Uh, There's risk every time they step on the court. Like if you're going to have a pandemic season, you're already acknowledging I'm willing to to step up and and just bear the risk of this. And we've seen kind of the outbreaks among teams and they just keep powering through. They're going to have this season by any means. And they already shrinked the schedule from 82 games to 72. I don't see the big deal of having a 73rd game for you know, uh, an elite group of, of talent and they're going to go through all the precautions to make sure everybody's safe. It's in their best interest to keep everybody safe. Um, I think if you're of the mind that, you know, you're you're watching the games this year, I think you've accepted that there's going to be some risk involved. And I think that goes the same with the All-Star game. So I don't see any reason not to have it. Yeah, no, and that's a good point. And, and coach, I actually want to follow up with you with this question. Do you think we're going to see less defense in the All-Star game? Maybe people sagging back and letting people take open shots or not playing as close defense to kind of avoid that contact, but to still play Is there the ever game. defense? Uh, there's, been, there's, the, there's, there's like, a, defense like five sometimes. minutes of defense in yeah, NBA All-Star history. Underlay, underlay, underlay. Exactly. I mean, exactly. That, that, that's what we typically see in the All-Star game. Um Although last year with the Elon ending and they're doing that again this year, uh, this year I, I just read that this week. Last year's fourth quarter um, was the most defense I've seen play in the All-Star game since uh, maybe uh, Jordan's last All-Star game. So uh, I, I think that it no until the fourth quarter happens and then we'll see who, who, who can get to that 24 point mark. Uh, before others, I, I think it's a good PR move. Uh, before, before the question beforehand, um, I think it's a good way to put the kind of the money in into a certain spot. Two point five mil to HBCUs is a great place, if you ask me. 
Um, but at least they're not letting people in. Thank God they're not letting any regular fans into the building. Um, I Again, I, I was not for this because if, if somebody gets it, it's contact tracing and the league's going to have to shut down. Um, but you know, they're, 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 they're going through it and they're going to do it all in one day. The, 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 the skills competition, uh, the, the dunk contest is at halftime, three point contest. They're all doing it all in one day on that, on that March 7th. So, I mean, I, I just can only cross my fingers and pray that, that, that there's no backlash here, but, um, I don't know. It, it, it you know, well, what in Adam Silver, we trust. Let's just hope to God it, it works out. One little, uh, Interesting point is a, a few days ago, Adam Silver was on TNT and they were interviewing him. And he said that he's never once considered shutting down the season through all this. And he said that, you know, he hasn't released the second half of the schedule because they knew that they were going to have to move some games back and shift some things around. So I think it's interesting that they were always having the mindset there was going to be cases. They're just going to power through. It's about the money and, and keep it pushing. Yeah, but even if he did have thoughts about canceling the season, I don't think he'd ever come out and say that. I also think when uh, what Coach said about the contact tracing is like recently, who is it, the Spurs and the Hornets, right? They played and the Spurs had positive cases, so then the Hornets had to shut down for a couple of days. If you have the All-Star game and let's say a majority of the teams are represented throughout the skills competition at a dunk contest and the actual game itself, then the contact tracing is going to go so much further and the league might just have to take a week off. Like they might just reach a point where teams themselves aren't able to put out the eight players. I think they'd, they'd probably quarantine from the moment of the all-star game to meeting back together with the team for that exact reason. But yeah, that's, that's true. Contact tracing would, it would be a little more wild since it's so many different teams involved. And it's interesting because the, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Eric. Go ahead. I was just going to say it's inter- it's inter- <laughs> it's interesting because the NFL quote unquote had the pro bowl and it was basically the nomination show and that you know goes to any player bonuses incentives but they didn't play the actual game and you know the NFL made it through the season and you're thinking well what's the harm of having one more game you did a 16 game regular season with a full on contact sport but you know they decided that extra one was kind of where they're drawing the line um last little bit of news and notes since we did talk about all stars last week just going through the starters in the East, you have Kyrie, you have Brad's most deserving guy, Bradley Beal, uh, and our unanimous front court of Giannis, Durant, and Embiid. And in the West, you got Curry, Luka Legend, LeBron, Kawhi, Jokic. Once again, that front court seemed uni- uh, unanimous between all of us. Um, any surprises? Brad, I'm not going to you because I know Beal's a surprise <laughs> for you. A- absolutely no no surprises here. I mean, I know there's a case for Dame, um, but, you know, Luca has a country behind him and a lot of fans here in the United States. I did want to point out one last thing before we talk about our pickups. Um, I, I had to look at, I'm like, when does the regular season end? It ends on May 16. So with that timetable gives almost three months for AD to recover, which makes me feel a, a little bit be- better about, you know, a three month plan as to, you know, four weeks and then the playoffs start here. Of course the playoffs, I guess it starts a little bit further back than, than normal. So I just keep that in note. All right, well, Anthony Davis, you got three months to recover before the playoffs. Time is ticking. But (laughs) we're going to go to our next segment of the week, and because we are a fantasy show, we want to talk about ads for Week 10. So which players are you looking to target on the waiver wire? This could be a player that's under the radar, 
someone betting, benefiting from an injury to a teammate or a guy that's playing multiple games this week. You know we love that in the words of Coach. So, Brad, I want to start with you. Who's somebody that you're looking to pick up? Yeah, so this guy, he's essentially like diet Chris Paul to me. Um, the numbers wouldn't exactly say it, but if you watch him play, it's kind of an easy comparison. I'm going TJ McConnell. Um, he's rostered in under 40% of leagues right now, and he's actually starting to get starters minutes, which is it's always boggled my mind. Even on Philly, like whatever team he's on, I'm always wanting him to at least – if he's not going to start, I want him to get starters minutes because he's just such a great point guard. Brad, um, you're this, saying, Brad, are you saying a, a a white a white guard can get compared to a, a black guard in the NBA? Isn't it crazy? <laughs> it's uh. So listen, to his last five games, his minutes wise, 28, 42, 32, 32, and twenty six. Um, he's had six, three, twelve, seven, and four assists, and six, nineteen, six, seven, and thirteen points. He's a good source of points, rebounds, assists off the waiver wire. Um, and he, if you're one of, in one of those leagues that can get that counts double doubles or triple doubles, he, I wouldn't bet that he's going to get one, but he's always on the radar for one. So I think he's a great guy to grab off the waiver wire. That, that's once again, Brad, covering both your, both your bases. He will probably won't get you triple doubles, but if he does, way to play both ends of the stick. What about you, coach? I, first of all, I love that analogy. I don't know if I've ever heard somebody compared to a diet soda version of someone else. An awesome thing because he he is a, a leader out there. He's guarding full full court. I, I heard some stat where he yep. he has the most steals in the backcourt of any yep. NBA player since they've been keeping track of that stat. And I mean, I think it's like a t- ten year stat, which is and also offensively, like he plays the same way. Like he'll get the ball. And then he'll dribble under the baseline, under the basket until somebody cuts to the basket. Then he's doing a no look pass. Like he's, it, they play the exact same way. It's kind of fascinating. He just can't. He just can't create his own shot and shoot that th- exactly pull back three. But outside of that, That's yeah, he does a lot of I think he's That's in the top five, ten in steals and based on the minutes mm-hmm. that he gets. So um, I think he's a solid uh, contributing pick for assists and steals, especially if you're in a uh, stat category league. Um, my guy this week, and it's kind of a wild card pick, is. Uh, Michael Carter Williams. Um, they, we murmured a little bit about him um, earlier when um, shoot, when Fultz went down, but now Cole Anthony is out for a long time, and uh, he he went two for thirteen yesterday. So that means he's not afraid to shoot. He's averaging over thirty minutes a game since he's come back. Uh, he, he's still at eight, four, five, and one. He's going to get you a lot of. He's going to get you rebounds. Going to get you a lot of uh, assists and, and some steals. And um, they have no other options. They have no other point guards on that team, and Orlando is going to have to play them. Um, yes, it's it's going to be an eyesore if, you, if you're going to watch them play basketball, but uh, he, his hot streak is going to come. He does it almost every other year where he gets on a two, three-week string where he's he's pr- fantasy production-wise, he's good, uh, although not so much a good basketball player. Did I take your guy, Doc? Uh, well, Eric, you did, and I thought Eric might because, you know, Eric's just are on that same uh, telepathy, you know, same wavelengths. <laughs> Good thing I had two. So, Eric, who's your guy? Hopefully it's not mine. All right. Well, I'm going with my hometown team because I have to. Homer! I'm a homer, 110%, as you can tell by everything. I would say Nerland's Noel. I don't know if he's a a deep value. I don't. Blocks God Nerland's Noel is how we introduce him here. The The block God? Okay. I mean, he's filling in for Mitch Robinson, who is my block God. It's just a block party for the Knicks. But yeah. also looking specifically at the upcoming schedule for 
my New York Knicks. They play in Minnesota tomorrow. Carl Anthony Towns is back, but like, I mean, I got to confess something. I don't play season long fantasy for basketball. I do DraftKings and daily fantasy. That's but fine. I know that if the Timberwolves are playing a team, you want the center against them. They're giving up the most fantasy points in a game. So you have them tomorrow. They also play against the Knicks play the Warriors on Tuesday. James Wiseman's out. So you're looking at the tallest player on that team, probably being Draymond Green playing most of the center. Noel's got like a foot on him. And then they end the week by playing the Kings, who are giving up the most points uh, on DraftKings to power forward center position, just big men in general. The Kings just really don't play much of any defense now. And Marvin Bagley's out. If you're looking at big men on the Knicks, this is a time for Nerlens Noel, possibly Taj Gibson. I don't know. Shoot, maybe Julius yeah. Randle has big games and it puts him into the All Star game. I know you would like that. A hundred and ten percent. I I was trying to tweet it over and over again. Julius Randle, I think he's a legit All Star. Like I don't think this is a one year. Like he needs to carry the torch for the Knicks. I think he's a quality player. No, I, and I agree. And Eric, it's interesting because. For it seems like the past decade, the Knicks just get big men that catch dunks and block shots. Dating back to Tyson Chandler, talk about Mitch Robinson, Nerlens Noel. For you OGs, Kurt Thomas. I feel like they just never want a really a offensive. Yeah, I, I feel like they've never wanted a really offensively talented center that they just go, okay, your position here, block shots, rebounds, and be tall. Uh, my the guy, actually. Time... Oh, good. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll say I think the last time the Knicks tried to make a big splash at center is when we uh, gave up pretty much everything for Eddie Curry, and that yeah, just kind of yeah. imploded. But I, I'm glad you mentioned Tyson Chandler because I'm just going to throw a little uh, a little sticky note on that for later. Okay. All right. I like it. Uh, and for Bring me, staying back together, I think. Stay, stay, staying with the Kings, I'm going Corey Joseph. This guy's been averaging 15 points and four assists his last four games. Luke Walton is a guy that plays with a pretty shallow rotation. It's interesting. Buddy Heald had a bad shooting uh, game the other day. I think he was 2 of 10. And they were in a close game, and he benched him the entire fourth quarter. So I think he's a guy that if you get uh, unfavorable in his rotation, he doesn't mind benching you. We've seen it do it with Hassan Whiteside. So I think you could see Corey Joseph starting to get some more minutes. Um, I don't think anyone is locked in to play starters minutes each night besides De'Aaron Fox in that backcourt. So, coach took mine. Good thing I had a fallback. But there, there's of- a couple injury guys just for this week uh, that I wanted to add. Herman Gomez is filling in for Steven Adams in the Pels, and he's had 30 rebounds in the last two games. And then Jay Sean Tate has been consistently getting 30 to 36 minutes a game. So, some- a, he's a rookie of the year candidate. He is. And there hasn't been many. But speaking, if you like hearing coach take my ideas or my players, <laughs> do you like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more Triple Play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy baseball and football show that you can also check out, available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about buying our love by giving us a five-star rating and review? Check us out on Twitter and IG at Trip Play Fantasy. Myself and Brad run our social media and provide daily questions, David being ugly, which he always is, and our weekly episode drops. You know that feeling when you get when you get a really nice trade offer for a player you wanted to get rid of and you smash accept? That's the feeling we want to provide. We want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you. Thank you, the lawyer, for thank you for the loyal player for your listens each and every week. Quick shout out to Thaddeus Young, who made a basket with three seconds left yesterday to screw my player prop for him. 
Thaddeus Young, if you're hearing this, I won't hate on you for doing your job, but I just want you to know you caused me some heartbreak. We will be back to our other part of the show after this quick break. NBA catch-up. So before we get into the trade deadline buy or sell, we want to do our impressive performance of the week. Which player balled out this week and deserves a shout-out? If any of you guys say Thaddeus Young, I'm kicking you off the panel. Eric, you're the guest. Who deserves a shout-out? Thaddeus, yeah. Um, <laughs> Jamal Murray, 50 points last night, didn't take a single free throw. That doesn't happen in today's NBA. Twenty, I think he was what twenty-one for twenty-five from yeah. the floor. That's yeah. That's not that's not real. He shot like, that's ninety-four percent. That's crazy. That's crazy, dude. If that ha- if that happened to you in two K, you would you turn it off. You would just walk out. <laughs> Game over. That's yeah, true. Somebody that's true. I don't even think I should. I don't think I could even shoot eighty-four percent in the gym being wide open. Nah, that's a great pick. Brad, how about you? Who's somebody that uh, maybe made you some money in DFS? So Eric is not the only homer on the podcast. I'm going to go with my hometown Wizards right now. They've won three straight against Boston, Houston, and Denver. Who would have thunk it? And the reason is not just Brad Beal. It's Russell Westbrook, and that's my pick. Gosh, he's averaged a triple double over both of all, all three of those games, and he's had a positive plus minus over all three of those games. He's single-handedly the reason why Brad Beal was able to do anything because he's the only other source of offense. And I, I just think he's not getting enough love. So he's he's got to be my, my performance of the week. Brad, you and the Wizards have a love-hate relationship that I won't understand. Tell, don't I'll tell also, your girl about him, man. Don't tell, don't tell your girl about him. I'll also mention uh, the Wizards are now three games back of eighth place and only one and a half back of tenth. So... They really could make the playoffs. That that's great that they're almost in the playoff spot with two superstars. Coach, who's your uh, <laughs> player of the week? I wouldn't want to play him in the playoff uh, playing game. And exactly. I thought you were going to go Bertans with his career high nine threes. Could have flame out there. That was just the game. I was doing the whole week. Um. <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad uh, Jamal Murray was was mentioned because he's about to go off. You know, we saw him hit a confidence uh, yeah. spark a spike. In the in the bubble when he was putting up huge numbers against uh, Mitchell and he's had a rough start so you could see him taking off and taking that Denver team to where they kind of should be. My guy is none other than who Thaddeus Young was guarding on that step back to seal the game, which is Joel Embiid. He is going crazy right now. Fifty spot, the first one since Allen Iverson. Seventeen boards, five dimes, seventeen for twenty six from the field, and he solidified that 76ers team as the go-to player in the clutch. Since Jimmy's left, there's kind of been like, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? And it really hasn't boded well for Joel. Joel's gotten fatigued late in games. But this year, I don't know what he did in the offseason, but he is ready and he is coming 100 miles an hour. So Joel Embiid, wow, 50 and 17 for a career high. You're right, and uh, when he hit that step back, I thought the Bulls were going to take out Thaddeus Young since the game's over. See, clearly, you can tell I'm not over this yet, and I probably won't be. <laughs> For me, it's Damian Lillard, and this is a guy that's probably been runner-up for a couple times. But that 43.16 assist game, and the next morning comes out on Twitter and is like, all right, Dame Jr. got me up. Let's answer some questions. So MVP for the week on and off the court. Go ahead, Dame. Just continue rapping, doing your thing, brother. But 
We're going to get to the main segment of the show. And guys, or sell because it's coming up in a in a COVID shortened season. This is uncharted waters for a lot of teams. However, the show must go on. Teams will be making moves, players will be traded, and NBA Twitter will be popping. So I want to touch on some players first who are rumored to be on the market and the best landing spot for them, and then we're going to transition to some teams. So the first guy, Andre Drummond, Brad's baby boy. He is racking up DNPs like it's rebounds. Jarrett Allen is the clear future center for the Cavaliers. So, Brad, I'm going to start with you. Which team should make a move for Drummond? Yeah, so his contract is kind of uh, limiting. I wouldn't want to trade for him because there's a good likelihood that he's going to get bought out. So on the buyout market, he becomes, I don't know, you, there's probably 29 teams that would want him for buyout prices. Um, my top three, I'd probably go Boston, number one. Um, Danny Ainge has already come out and said, you know, he doesn't think the way that the Celtics are currently constructed can win a championship. And I think the only thing he'd be missing there is a big. And I think Andre Drummond can provide that. Um, the second would probably be the Wizards. Um, they've lost Thomas Bryant. If you can get him for buyout prices. He wants to go to a contender, Brad. It doesn't matter what he wants. It doesn't matter. This is just what you would do. Where where his best fits. So Brad, and are you then, talking about buyout? Are you just you're canceling the trade option altogether and going I'm, straight buyout? Or I'm canceling trade option altogether because nobody's going to want to pick up thirty million in salary. Brad hijacks year. the show. I love it. <laughs> well, the Wizards then, have uh, no chance if they don't get a like. If it's not a trade, they have no chance of getting him. All right, Brad, right. let's hear, let's hear your last that. team, and then we'll transition the third, to code. The third one would be the Lakers, because I think that gives you leeway to sit Anthony Davis for a long time. And then even if you don't sit him for a long time, they could possibly use him as at a five, because Anthony Davis doesn't want to play the, the five at all. He wants to play the four. So if you have Anthony Davis and Andre Drummond and you put that in with LeBron, I think that can make some serious noise. Okay. All right. Well, Brad, Brad doesn't think the team will trade for him, but rather than get him on the buyout market, and that's a possibility. Coach, what about you thinking the same thing or does somebody pull the trigger and actually make a move? Um, I, I, I I'm kind of 50, 50 here. I, I, I think I'm leaning more towards, I don't think that they can pull a, a deal off. Um, Brad mentioned two buyout candidates. I think it's four teams in contention, those the Celtics and the Lakers and then the Clippers and the Nets. And a lot of phone call, a lot of player, hey, come join us, come join us. I mean, you're not going to get a big yeah. contract after, after a buyout, and he's not looking for that. He's looking for, I guess, the next contract after that. Which is um, why I mentioned the Wizards, because they would. Now, the Wizards, but that would be an offseason thing. He wouldn't go there just sure. for the finale to see him. Now, the Wizards might be stupid enough to try to trade for him. And not the Wizards would, They don't have they, the cap room. They'd they would give up, away, if like, they give up Lopez and Hachimura and Thomas Bryant um, yeah. in two first round picks. It does work in the trades trade machine. I mean, like I said, I wouldn't do it. You're giving up two first round picks, but the Wizards are dumb enough, and maybe they think that third <laughs> piece could work. And Hachimura, I don't know his quite his ceiling. He's a good NBA player, but I don't see him being a being a star. It's the second um, year, man. <laughs> That I mean, yeah, no, I no, I hear that, uh, but I just don't think he has a high, high ceiling. I think he's going to be a good pro, but that's just my, yeah, my mm -hmm. unfortunate opinion on him. 
Um, but I think the, the only team that's shown actual interest and has been talked about is the Raptors. Um, and the Raptors are playing well right now. They have, you know, they have OG, they have Norman Powell, they have some guards. I, the only thing is like the Cleveland's not interested in like the guard thing. And I know Lowry is kind of expendable at this point in his career, just because Fred Van Vliet is that good. Um, and you have, and you also have OG and, and you have Pascal and you're kind of working around that, but uh, maybe they want, maybe they want Boucher in a first round. Those are the only teams interested. And then and out the dark horses, maybe the, maybe the Knicks and, and maybe the Knicks, maybe, maybe the Hornets get froggy, but uh, they might just have to see him walk. Uh, I was going to ask if the Knicks should make a move for AD, uh, but I saw you shaking your head. So where's the best fit for him? Well, uh, coach, kind of took it again where I was I was thinking the Raptors given that they're last in the league in rebounds per game that Siakam is more of a stretch for as opposed to Drummond plays under the basket I don't think Baines is really I mean I love the Aaron Baines fan club if you've seen it on Twitter it's like the best page out there it's incredible but I don't think he's going to be leading them to a championship so I think Drummond makes sense to the Raptors the Hornets were my also on my short list because the Hornets uh, you see LaMelo is playing like a real star, kind of living up to the hype. Hayward's having a, a decent year, but the Hornets don't have that offensive or defensive presence in the paint. They just, I mean, Bismack Biombo isn't anything sellers. Cody Zeller's having a very good year, but I think we could all agree maybe that Drummond's an upgrade over Cody Zeller. No. No? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right. Of course he is. Of course he is. To of each their own. Um, and lastly, I could see him going to Portland. The Trailblazers yeah. with with Lillard, the year he's having, this is the kind of year. I know we're going to get to it a little bit. This is the kind of year where I think they could make a make a move. Maybe Gary Trent, Rodney Hood, some of these guys that are playing well off the bench, uh, trade them for a big man who can give them the score. I mean, the rebounder to go for Lillard's shots that he occasionally misses. <laughs> no, and and great point. And I wasn't even thinking about Portland. For me, I think the best destination would be the Nets, and I think they could actually pull it off in a trade. You've shipped DeAndre Jordan, who's been slacking a little bit in terms of defense. The Nets have the worst defensive efficiency since they've acquired Harden, and I think Drummond secures that. So I'm thinking of a package of DeAndre Jordan, Spencer Dinwiddie, who's not going to play this year, and a future second-round pick. And if you're Cleveland, you're tanking this year. You're obviously not in contention, but you get a, a valuable veteran in Spencer Dinwiddie. You're getting... Somebody that will replace DeAndre jo- or Drummond and DeAndre Jordan, and you're going to draft pick. And you basically got Drummond for nothing last year. So I think if you're the Nets, you go all in. He's a clear upgrade. And you're, once again, I think it's NBA championship or bust in the next one to two years. But we're going to transition to a former Piston, and that's Blake Griffin. And he's dunking water cups on the bench rather than dunking balls. He wasn't even dunking much of this year to begin with. So... Eric, I want to start with you on this. Two years. Yeah. Doesn't dunk yet. Yeah. It, it, there's no way he could dunk over IKEA anymore, even though it's just over the hood. But Eric, I want to start with you on this one. What team should make a move for Blake? For Blake, it's not it's not looking great. I think there's a lot of questions as to like how much is left in the tank for him. He's had a, a lot of a lot of serious injuries with his leg, but I think a good spot for him would be the Dallas Mavericks, because they are third in the league, just barely, I mean, third to last in the league, just barely above the Raptors in terms of rebounding. I think pretty much everyone on that team, with the exception of Luka and KP, has to be considered, you know, worthy of trading. 
And Blake Griffin just, to me, makes sense as a, another option to kind of solidify them. Yeah, no, and, and you know, Blake Griffin, like I said, he he's not he's not getting any minutes in Detroit, so I think any team, you know, he's not going to be the superstar that he once was, but I still think he's a valuable NBA player. Brad, what about you? Yeah, he's in the same boat as Andre Drummond. There's nobody that's going to trade for that contract, so I think he's most likely to be a buyout candidate. Um, yeah. And I think in that, you know, the perfect destination for him is San Antonio. Um, they're known for taking guys and and really changing who they were. I, I, you look at a guy like Boris Diaw, everybody's saying, oh, he's he's fat, he's overweight, he can't guard anymore. And then, boom, he's a key piece in the playoffs. Like, I think they can do that same thing with Blake Griffin. And then he's going to be great for their guys, their younger guys that are growing up, and and as well as uh, DeRozan and, and Aldridge and I just think they can actually he can actually be a great fit in there. Okay, I wasn't expecting that answer, Coach. I like where's that your destination? Who who trades for uh, Blake Griffin? No one. No one should yeah. trade for that. He's the third. If you can't get uh, Andre Drummond's twenty seven million dollars to move, how are you going to get Blake's thirty four? Um, yeah. You you know you you play you play the weight game in those same four that I mentioned with uh, Drummond. This is his buyout sign Plan B. So again, that's the Clippers, Lakers, Nets, and Celtics will all be watching. Um, you take a flyer on, on Blake, and you see where kind of he wants to go. I think that's where it, the the power lies in in, in Drummond and, and Griffin. If they are rewarded with the buyout, I, I just don't see the, the trade, especially if you can't get Drummond off, and then they get to decide which contender they want to play on. Um, I, I think the only outside chance is maybe like the Thunder, it, just because wow. they have the picks. And they could even get more picks, which would be oh, hilarious to take another cap hit. But uh, I, I just don't see that as a logical option at, at all. If I can make a, a fantasy football equivalent, he's like this year's Cam Newton for me. Like I thought Cam Newton was going to be great this year and I thought Blake Griffin was going to be great this year. And as it turns out, like they both just there's a, a legitimate argument you could make that they're both done. Like he doesn't play. Brad, are you saying you're wrong? Yeah. Yeah. I oh, like my. He, <laughs> he uh he doesn't play defense he doesn't play defense he doesn't play he can't shoot like his career high shooting is like 35 percent. so that's what you're betting on like one of the things that i was so impressed with him uh before he got hurt was he had expanded out his game and he was shooting more threes and i thought that that percentage was going to rise with it and it really didn't like his best shooting percentage is 35 percent. and if you're going to have him on your team I don't even know really what you're you're looking for. I don't know what you're asking for, like because you're he's not gonna dunk, he's not gonna play off, he's not gonna be like a an offensive juggernaut. He doesn't play defense, and he's not gonna shoot threes for you. So I guess you're just betting on his basketball IQ, and that's a hefty price to pay. He well, he can shoot a three a little bit though. He did hit like didn't he hit like eighty to a hundred of them like uh, the, the, I, last I, year? And IQ wise, the Warriors is a good fit. Uh, I like I like Brad's idea of him going to San Antonio because if he goes to San Antonio, the way you saw like Pau Gasol, never a three point shooter, Pop taught him how to shoot threes, and he, like he was able to extend his career somewhat. And Lamarcus Aldridge has now gone from a mid range game to a three point shooting. Like Demar Derozan, same thing. Now Derozan's also, playing bigger than he is. I I like. Uh, go ahead. Also, whatever place he goes. He's going to have to accept a lesser role. Like, he's probably not a starter anymore. Like, that's just the yeah. fact of the matter. Like, 
he's a great you know guy to have in your second unit but if if you're if you have to start him you're not going to be in a good place Brad, and that's a great transition. That's a great transition to my team because I think I don't think a team will trade for him, but I think he's a perfect fit. With the Celtics buyout, so they have three players on the roster that are taller than him. They have Daniel Theus, they have Taco Fall, who they barely play, and Tristan Thompson is like an inch taller than him. And you put him on Boston, he's maybe the fourth option at best behind Brown, Tatum, and Kemba Walker. You know, Peyton Pritchard has been stepping up, so I think that you know Danny Ainge came out and said, "Look, we don't have a championship roster right now." Blake Griffin is something that you could get, you know, maybe he's not the thing that's going to put you over, but he's going to be a veteran presence in the locker room and, you know, maybe give you a little bit scoring off the bench. But we have one more player we need to talk to. And this guy is actually collecting minutes and playing. And that's John Collins. Atlanta has been open saying that they're going to shop him and he is due to get paid this summer. So whoever trades for him should be thinking it, uh, keeping that in mind, you know, of whether it's a rental or whether he's in their long-term future. So, Coach, I want to start with you on for, with this first. Should Hawks trade for him? And if so, what team? Yeah, absolutely they should trade. I mean, they offered him the, what, four for 90, and he turned it down. They don't, they don't have enough money to pay him what he is searching for. So in the trade suitor, you got to find somebody that is going to be willing to pay him. So, yes, they should pay him. I don't know if they've waited too long to get that suitor and get what they want in return. And maybe uh, Atlanta takes the L and they, they watch him walk. But the options that I see that uh, possibilities that could trade for him uh, again, the, the here comes the Wizards again, needing a big man. If they send a first round in Rui, um, it, they would pay him and they would get a, a big man. That's actually um, somebody that they could have a future with. Uh, obviously it's uh, Thomas Bryant with an ACL injury. It's, it's hard to, you know, put your chips in him. Uh, OKC, you've mentioned this doc before they got to pay somebody, right? And Shea Gilgis and, and John Collins could be an interesting, um, pairing. Uh, Boston makes sense, but I, I just don't see them do that, doing that. They didn't want to get Miles Turner for, for Gordon Hayward in a, in a sign trade because they didn't want to pay him 18 mil and still, instead opting to pay Tristan Thompson for 10. Um, and I, I just don't see how if they weren't willing to pay Miles My, Turner 18 mil a year, which to me is like that, that was a no-brainer at the time. Like he would have been a perfect fit. He can stretch and he protects the paint. Uh, but I, I just see if Danny Age wasn't, wasn't trying to get Miles Turner, why would they try to trade – uh, for for John Collins and I don't I don't just don't see enough money. There's just too many mouths to be fed there with Kemba on, on the max with Brown um, and Tatum as well. So uh, it makes sense, but nothing. I I got I got nothing here. I think they 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 take the L and they they have to yeah. see him walk in the off season. Yeah, I was gonna say it, it sounds like you're not sure. You went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth just like a politician. So I'm gonna go to Eric, who might be a little <laughs> bit more decisive. Should the Hawks trade him, and what team should take the bait? Uh, the Hawks should try to trade him. I think they they would definitely get some suitors. I, I'd like to see him go to, honestly, a, a Denver team where he can play alongside Jokic, let Jokic be the big man getting the rebound, and John Collins can kind of free himself up to do as he pleases. But uh, when you talk about getting paid, I don't think Denver's going to want to pay him when they just committed all that to Murray. Um. I don't know. I'm having a hard time finding a great landing spot for John Collins as well. John Collins, you hearing that? It, it's tough to find suitors for you. 
But don't worry, I have the team. But I'm going to go to Brad first and see if he has the team that I'm thinking of. I think it's Portland for me. Um, when they signed uh, Derek Jones Jr., I think they were hoping that he would blossom into a John Collins type, somebody who can shoot, somebody who can just provide a lot of energy, somebody who can get boards, just with a lot of athleticism and kind of cover all all three of the front court positions. So I think he'd be a perfect place for them. But I'll say this about John Collins, man. Like, turning down four and nine, four for 90 is probably for him. It's probably not the best business move because I don't know who's going to pay him the max. Like, I, I just don't, I don't see what he provides that is worth the max. You guys ready? And you guys are going to be like, oh, that makes sense. My team is the Spurs. And they typically build around big men dating back with David Robinson, Tim Duncan. They gave Aldridge a try. And I think John Collins is their next protege. And I think actually think they ship Aldridge to Atlanta in the deal. So Atlanta, you're getting a starting power forward that doesn't need to be your number one option. I think he would work really well on pick and roll and pick and pop with Trey Young. And the Spurs, maybe you have to include uh, Derek White or you know Lonnie Walker or a young guard. But you're getting a franchise potentially uh, max player, you know, to build your team around. I think they're kind of in a rebuilding phase. And I think if you're the Hawks, you got to get some value for him as opposed to just walk, letting him walk for nothing. So that would be my team. I can imagine him in that black and white, and I might be the first one to buy a jersey. You already know I'm a John Collins stands, but I want to transition because we are going now to teams, and this is kind of the macro perspective. So what organizations should make moves? Now, Draymond recently called out the media for the double standard between the players and the organization evaluation. I think he had a valid point, and that's a discussion for another day. But I'm going to name some teams here, and I want you to tell me in 30 seconds or less if they should be buying, selling, or staying put this deadline. And the first is the Celtics. They're currently 15-14 and 14 and in fifth place in the East. They've had their own COVID issues, and Kemba Walker was out the first month of the season recovering from knee surgery. Both their young studs, Brown and Tatum, got paid recently. But they're not the favorites in the East. So, Brad, I want to start with you. Buy, sell, or hold? I think they should be buying. Um, I think Danny Ainge had the right idea when he said that they aren't presently constructed as a championship team. And I think their big hole is is in that center position. Um, I don't think you can win a championship with Tristan Thompson being your starting center unless you know you have LeBron on your team. And uh -huh. I think they need to they need to look at the the John Collinses. They need to look at the um, Lamarcus Aldridge's. They need to look at the the Andre Drummonds and make a trade happen because Tatum and Brown can't really do it alone. All right, all right, Coach, buy, sell, or hold if you're the C's. I've been I've been banging this drum for for quite a while. They they need to be buyers. <laughs> I mean, it's I was it, banging it for you. Thank you. Um, they they started eight and three with no Kimba. It, the big issue has been um, Smart not being in the lineup has really cost them yeah, um, heart and soul of their team, which is funny because of how we evaluate Walker compared to Smart. But it's by time. Come on, Danny, you missed out. Uh, you playing it too safe. Um, no hey, indication. No. What's up, Coach? Would you uh, would you? Do a buy, like, would you trade for a center or another position if you had to include Marcus Smart in the deal? It depends on the player that you're getting in return. He, he almost is off limits. I maybe even try to be shipping uh, Walker instead if somebody would be willing to do that. Uh, 
But uh, it, obviously, Tatum and Brown untouchable. They're still young. They still have time. But you let Horford walk. You let um, Hayward walk for nothing. You, you could have got Turner in the deal. Um, you you kept on to both first round picks, and you you drafted a point guard in Pritchett, who is a good player. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Neesmith has has decent potential, but you could have moved up and started looking at a young big for the future, like a Kongwu, Stewart, Achua. They were all there. If you package those two ones, you would have one of those guys that you're 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 banking behind. So um, I, I say buy. Uh, I just don't know. Like the timing is just not looking good for this trade. I don't know how many big trades we're going to see here in the trade deadline. But yeah, yeah I think maybe he, missed, maybe he missed the wave, but they still have a future. They'll still be good. Yeah. And, and it's interesting, you know, once again, this is uncharted waters. Nobody really knows how teams are going to execute trades. Eric, are you going to go with the consensus and do what NFL teams have one week a year and that's buy? Yes. I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm, I also think they have to buy a big, uh, like you said, like everybody said, they have the guard play Kemba and Marcus Smart are two excellent guards. They have the two young all-stars, Brown and Tatum, that's going to be their future. It's the the center position where teams are beating them. And if they can get Drummond or Griffin, like we said, in a buyout market, go for it. Uh, if they can make a trade with the Hawks for John Collins, I think that would be a decent fit. I, I just think they need that one center to to be the defensive guy, even if it's just a rental on a guy for, for the season, like a buyout situation or just take an expiring contract to someone to shore up the, the paint for them. Yeah. And I'm not really going to add anything. I'm with the panel on here. I think, you know, we've talked about it enough through the show that I think the Celtics need to buy. Um, and Danny Ainge kind of, you know, put them on blast saying, Hey, look, we don't have a roster right now. And if you're admitting your team isn't good enough and you don't make a move, you're basically saying we're punting this season. But what's the point of having Taco Fall if you're not going to play him? Uh, for the practice, memes, practice, practice, memes. practice. Ridiculous. Pe- like people, if- people practice their floaters shooting over a really tall guy. But yeah, we're going to transition. We're going to transition to the next team, and that's the Warriors. Currently, sixteen and fourteen in the West and seventh seed. Steph has had an MVP caliber year, and Wiggins and Ubre have picked up the scoring recently. This team still has championship aspirations. But with Clay out for the year, there's a lot of money tied for no production. So, Coach, I want to start with you, and in 30 seconds or less, buy, sell, or hold. H-O-L-D, hold place and um, run it back when you got a healthy Clay next year. This team is really good. Um, Wiseman should take a a baby leap next year. Unless you can trade Wiggins in that contract, I would stay put with the team assembled and um, enjoy the playoff run that Steph is going to carry them on and, um, you know – like I said, stay put, see what – develop some of those young guys, and then go in next year. All right. Eric, are you holding as well? I like what Coach had to say, but I think you sell because I think this is Disagreement. Time- Love it. Yeah, so sell – I think Andrew Wiggins right now, like this is probably the ultimate sell-high situation for him because I think we've kind of all seen what we can get from him. And there's going to be a buyer out there. Some team's going to need to shore up their wings and probably would take a chance on Wiggins. And like you said, that contract is huge. So if you're the Warriors and you can dump off that contract next year, you come back with Clay, Steph, Kelly Oubre, Draymond, and then James Wiseman, who's looking awesome. That's a great starting five next next season. But they can make a splash this year. All right, Brad, are you going to pick a side or are you going to pick your own side and say that you buy? No, I, I think you should hold. I um 
I think this season's kind of a wash for them. They're not really trying to win the championship. I know they don't think they can win the championship this year. They're just trying to put as best of a product as they can and maybe trade some of the assets later. Um, at the end of the day, next year, they're going to have Clay and Steph back together with Draymond plus Wiseman, who is a lot better than I anticipated he'd be. So I think this is kind of just a bridge year and they're, they're going to, they're playing for next year. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm trying to find words right now because Brad just said that he was wrong twice in a show. Like, oh my gosh. Like, the it's actually the only two times I've been wrong. I know. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> um, for me, I, I'm going with the, the two guys and holding. I think you can't decide the direction of what the team is going until you see how Clay is going to bounce back because he is the most important guy on the team besides Steph. And him and Steph, you know, they feed off of each other, the Splash Brothers, the backcourt. I think if, if he's not anywhere compared to what he was in the past, I think if you're the Warriors, then you automatically have to sell. But that if he if he has some resemblance of old clay, maybe he can't do it on a night-in, night-out basis, then I think it's another story. But like Brad said, I don't think they have championship aspirations this year. I think their window is still open, but once again, they're not that favorite or even a top contender to come out of the West. But championship windows are short in this league. Staying with the West, though, we're going with the Blazers, who are 18-10 and 10 and currently fourth seed. Dame had another crazy game with 43 points and 16 assists and a win over the Pelicans. C.J. McCollum is out a while with an injury of his own, and it seems the Blazers are always in this realm of the fourth, fifth seed, you know, win a playoff series, maybe two, but never serious contenders. So, Eric, I want to start with you on this one. Should they buy, should they sell, or should they hold? Buy. I think this is the time where you look at the year Dame's having, Dame's 30. He does this every uh, year. He does this every year, but he's he's doing it this year. McCollum's out. Nurkic just doesn't play because he's never healthy. But like, while Dame does go nuts every single year, you're absolutely right. They're 18 and 10. Like, they're winning games. This is probably the best I've seen him. I think you have so many young players in this team, like Derek Jones Jr. is 23. Gary Trent is 21. Uh, Simons is 21. You could package together one or two of them, maybe land a Drummond, maybe land a John Collins, get a big man that's better than Cantor because I like Cantor. Like when he was on my next, he was a good player. He just fouls like crazy. But I think if you can upgrade that front court and the, they can, if you have Cantor and John Collins or you have, uh, I mean, maybe send off Cantor and you get Drummond. If you have a big man that can play with Gobert, big man that can play with Jokic, a big man that can play with Anthony Davis come playoff time, that's going to be the difference from them leaving in the first round to them making a run. All right. Well, I feel like you made a very compelling case and maybe the rest of the crew might follow. Brad, you buying as well? You know, Doc, I think you kind of set it up when you were asking the question. They're kind of always in this position at this time of year and when it's time to to be in the playoffs. And to me, what that says is it's a failed experiment. I think it's time to just sell and blow it up. I think only, more disagreements sound the alarm. I think the only um the only kind of asset that you'd keep on that team and untouchable is probably Dame Lillard because he's still so young and he's somehow he's still continuing to get better. But um, I'm I'm selling you know CJ McCollum off. I'm selling Gary Trent Jr. off. I'm selling you know maybe DJJ. Like there's just a bunch of guys that are very valuable for another team. But they're just in that West. They don't have what it takes to beat the Lakers or the Clippers or maybe even the Suns. Like it's just 
it's a very tough Western conference, and I don't think they have what it takes to, to come out on top there. All right, disagreement. Coach, are you going to uh, side with one of the two? Or no, you going no, I'm gonna, no, I'm going to disagree with everybody. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 um, I'm holding. Um, yeah, yeah, they they're not gonna win the West, right? And if you if you if you trade your your whoever you have, whether it's, it's CJ or Gary Trent, you're still not gonna be in contention. Expect even if you get a Collins or or a, a Drummond in return. Um, it shout out to Dame. I mean, he's been carrying this team, but uh, you're just gonna have to hope that Nurchis and McCollum come back for the playoffs. I mean, yes, they were there in the bubble last year and still didn't get them more than what five games in the first round. Uh, you could possibly get Zach Collins for the for the playoffs as well. Uh, I love what Gary Trent Jr. has looked like, and I would want to see that out. I wouldn't want to like trade him before you know he pops off because he's looking like a really like a starting caliber two guard in the league. Um, and then at the end of the season, then you maybe look towards CJ trade suitors if uh, if because the, the pairing with Gary Trent it, it looks really good. Um, but I, I, why trade you, you just sent two round, two first round picks for Covington. Like, I don't know how, like what they're going to package together. That's going to all of a sudden make them title contenders. Like they're just going to be the regular old uh, blazers. And for that, that's why I say why you blow it up. You gotta, but so, so I, I have an, I, return, though. I have an interesting take and I feel like Brad, because I'm hedging, I'm buying by selling. And you mentioned CJ McCollum. I think you trade him. I think they've tried this experiment kind of like the Wizards of the West where Beal and Wall and you look good in the regular season and it's nice. It looks good on paper, but come playoff time, it just doesn't work. I think they both need the ball in their hands and Damian is the franchise. I think you package CJ, you package some young talent, you try to get a big man, maybe a John Collins, and you really let Dame do his thing in the playoffs. You have the game go through him because CJ McCollum is probably one of the best mid-range scorers and he'll have some really good games. But I think that you want the ball in Damian's hands as much as possible. And let's go around. Got- Doc, Doc, would you trade? Would you do this trade, CJ, to the Warriors for um, Wiseman and a pick? No. No for who? No for the Blazers. What about you guys? I wouldn't do it if I was the Warriors. Oh, all right, Coach. I I like Wiseman. I don't think it's the best fit with the Warriors. I love CJ and I like him for a potential, but I just in that system and then with Steph and him defensively, I don't think that's the the best pairing uh, together. I don't think he's the answer. I mean, you still would what have I guess you have Wiggins on the roster. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't. I think it's a no on both sides. I don't see the Blazers. If the Blazers are gonna fish out McCollum. They're gonna have to go all in because they've been so loyal to him this entire time. I don't think that they were kind of like maybe throw out his name a little bit. I think that it would it would come to a mutual agreement between uh, franchise and player if the, if the CJ thing came up. And I don't know if Atlanta, if we're talking about John Collins, why would they want McCollum when they have Young? I just don't know yeah. if they have Bogdanovich. Like, I just don't see that, that fit being the best. Interesting hypothetical, Brad. And we got our last team, and the Raptors have come alive a little bit. They are 15 and 15 after a two and eight start, meaning they went 13 and seven in their last 20. They are last in a stacked division with the 76ers, Nets, Celtics, and even the surprising Knicks. This is a team two years removed from a championship, but we would, but we know Masai Ujiri is not afraid to make bold moves. So coach, I want to start with you in 30 seconds or less. Buy, sell, or hold. 
I guess this is the one that I, I'm really like, I, I don't have an opinion either way. Uh, they're not going to win the championship. Uh, you hold on to Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, and, and Boucher. Uh, as we know, that, that the general manager for the, the Raptors, Masai Ujiri, he's always active in trade talks, and he usually wins in these trades. So if they think that Drummond could be the their big man of the future, that would be the only big splash there. Or Colin, I mean, the guys that we've been talking about this whole time. Uh, but I think that they they stay put, maybe make a little move here or there, but they're not buying. They're not in the selling market, if you ask me. Okay. They All right. Little, little dash. Eric, what about you? Buy, sell, or hold? I got to say, I, I agree with Doc. I got to say hold because, I mean, I'm sorry, got to agree with Coach. I'd say hold. I don't think they're going to win a championship. I think you look at the way the East is shaping up right now. I mean, they're only two games back of the Bucks for third. Like, the Raptors could make a jump. I don't think that they're necessarily going to be able to make the jump where they're going to be competing for a title. I don't see this team adding anybody and suddenly beating the Lakers or the Clippers in a seven-game series. So I think you just write out what you have right now, and then – Maybe a team uh, makes an offer to bolster the bench that they like. Otherwise, I don't see much reason to change. Like you said, they got off to a really slow start, and they've just been healthier and picking it together. And, like, this guy, Bobby – what's his name? Chris Boucher? Bobby Boucher has been playing – Are you going to say Bobby Boucher, water boy? Water boy. The water boy coming off the bench. All right, there we go. There we go. That was Brad's uh, preseason darling. Brad, oh, you're Masai Ujiri. What are you doing? Buy, sell, or hold? It's about time I got some damn credit on this podcast. Everybody tells me I'm wrong all the time. Hey, man, um, it's because you always say you're right. We have to balance it out. Equilibrium. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's interesting. I think Masai Ujiri is the kind of guy that I want to give him as much cash as possible to see what he can do with it. So I want to stack up all the assets that I possibly can because I know he. I've seen him turn DeRozan into to, uh, a championship roster. So, I probably sell here. Uh, like Coach said, they're not going to be good enough to to do anything in the East. And the East has kind of changed its landscape now with the Nets being such a, a juggernaut. So, the way I look at it is, it's not enough just to have a good team anymore, a, a team to beat the Bucks or the Sixers. You got to have a team that can beat three, uh, a team with three All-Stars on it. And probably, you know, three All-NBA players, if we're being honest. So that's not enough to have Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet. I like Fred Van Vliet a lot. I like Pascal Siakam a lot. I like Boucher a lot. I probably see what I can get for in terms of picks or players for Lowry, like you mentioned. And Boucher's become a darling all across the league. So maybe I can get enough for Boucher because I think his ceiling is what Siakam with with defense. So I. If you already have Siakam, you're not going to start them both. I probably ship off whoever has the most value and go from there because I, I want to give I want to give Masai Ujiri as many picks or top flight talent as possible. No, Brad, I agree with you. And by the way, you're looking very handsome today. So there's another compliment. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. You know, I, I, if you're the Raptors, you had a really good year with Kawhi, where you made it to the finals and won, and that was against an injury depleted Warriors team. But before that. I don't think they'd even won a game in the Eastern Conference Finals. I know that they were swept by the uh, LeBron Cavs the one year that they were the number one seed. I think they went 60-22. and 22. I think – and Brad hit the nail on the head. The Nets are a powerhouse. The 76ers, the Bucks. There are a lot of teams that are going all in right now. 
And I think what, what we've seen is with a team like the Bucks, the the mortgage they gave up for Drew Holiday. And I think for teams that are closing in on that championship window, you could get so much value. I think we all trust that Masai Ujiri is a GM, and I'm interested to see what he can do with assets. I don't think anyone on that team should be untouchable. Now, not, now I'm not saying you trade them for nothing, but if you can get some great value and good picks in return, maybe shed some salary, I'm okay with that. But crew, great. We're going to get to our fun part now, the question of the week, and we are in the midst of changing sponsors, so we won't reveal that yet. Instead, we're sponsored by the letter P. It's an inside joke. Only the four of us will get that. And our question this week is from Coach. Who is the worst player to make an all-star game? And as much as I want to start with Coach, I'm going to start with Eric because of his name, and he's the guest. Who's the worst guy to have that accolade? You mentioned him earlier. I'm homing again, being a homer again. Tyson Chandler. I was uh, waiting for you to reference him. I was. I want to say 2014 was the year he was an all-star. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I can just give you the eyeball test. Watching him play, dude's a good defensive player, did not deserve to make an all-star team. All right. You know, usually people uh, defend their homer picks, but I like that you're bashing it. I'm all for that. Brad. Who's yours? Is it Russell Westbrook? Is it Bradley Beal? No, 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 no. I'm going all the way back to 2003. Brad Miller. Um, he was averaging oh. 13.9 points and 8.6 rebounds a game when he got it. Uh, when he got the nod to be in the All Star game. And while those are good, serviceable numbers, and it'll keep you in the league for a long time, those aren't All Star numbers. So I'm gonna go Brad Miller. All right, I like it. Trashing someone with the same first name as you. Coach, who's yours? Um, that's funny uh, that he went back to 2003 because I, I remember that and I was like, how the heck is he in this position? I mean, he, the, the the Bulls had a decent record at the, at the moment, and that's the reason why in 2004, Jamal McGlore, who you probably never heard of because he was just a journeyman. He was pretty average to slash terrible. He was averaging 12 points and nine boards on his campaign to the All-Star. Uh, Boozer, at the same moment, was playing alongside with LeBron, and he was averaging 15 and 11. And I, I just remember him just being just a much better basketball player, and I was baffled at the fact that he didn't go to the All-Star game. He should have three on his belt as opposed to two. So, Jamal McGlure, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sure you're a great human being, but you're not – all-star worthy i mean we look at people like maybe zach levine gets left off he's averaging 28 like this bradley beal was averaging 30 plus last year and got left off so at one it shows you how great the league is right now with the players um but also like sometimes these coaches might be stupid to quote kevin our boy kevin coleman sometimes the coaches don't make the greatest decisions when they're putting up that bench all-star roster together i don't know what you're talking about coach they're perfect but for me I'm going to go with Kyle Korver, and it was the 2014-2015 year, and this is the year that the Hawks had four of their starters get in. Jeff Teague, Al Horford, Paul Millsap, Kyle Korver. They left Amari Carroll off. I can't imagine how annoyed he must have been. Kyle Korver was averaging, or finished the year averaging 12.1 points per game, 4.1 rebounds, and 2.6 assists. That is awful for an all-star. Like, come on, team record. Like, I know the Hawks were good that year, and Kyle Korver can shoot, and he looks like Ashton Kutcher, but, like, bruh, 
An all-star? Come on. Come on. He shouldn't have one on his resume. I like it, Kyle. You're a nice guy. You're they outspoken. They did have the, the number one record in the East, but no, I have to agree. Yeah, come on. Four, though. Four, though. And, and and the Hawks also have the most P, the annoying PA system. Whenever somebody hits it through, they go, four, three. Nobody likes Atlanta. But <laughs> enough Kyle Corver and Hawks bashing because I actually like the Hawks now. We're going to go to our game of the week, and that is hosted by Coach James Lewis. Coach, what are we playing? All right, fellas. Game of the week, we are playing retired player ages. So in this game, you're going to have to guess how old these great Hall of Fame players are. You get two points for the exact number of their age. You get one point for being the closest. And if you're sandwiched in between, you still get a point. So let's say... Uh, I'm I'm 31 years old and Doc guessed 32 and Brad guessed 30. Both of you get a point. All right, sounds good. How many we got? I got 10 and a bonus 11 if it if it works out. So and and I have playing for prizes. Facetime. You get Facetime. Um, Leaving here with a new car. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, are you sponsoring it? Awesome. No, I could just go for new blotter. Portable toilet is our award. Um, I could use that. All right. Number one, Bill Russell, the most decorated champion in history. Yes, 11 championships in 13 years. Bill Russell is how old? Our guest, Eric Mint, you are up first, followed by Brad and then Doc. 86. I'm going to go 87. Y'all really think he's that old. I'm going to go 83. He's exactly 87. He just turned 87 last week on the 12th. So, Eric, you would have been right eight eight days ago. Um, so that's two for Brad. You guys keep track as well because sometimes, you know, we lose points here and there. All right, second up, uh, Doc, you'll be uh, leading off here. This is Irving Magic Johnson. Irving Magic Johnson. Okay. I'm going to go... I'm going to go 58. I'm going to go 54. And Eric? I'm going to go 60. All right. He is 61. So that's one point for E. Mint. Emphasis on the T. All right. Third up, uh, Brad, you're going to start up. And I see you got the the drip in the background. We got a little Magic Johnson jersey in the back. Magic back there. Third up, we got Yao Ming, Brad. Oh, wow. I'm going to go 38. Doc? I'm going to go 41. And Eric? I'm going to say 45. All right. Um, E. Mindy, you're on the board. He is 40 years old, so you get one point there. <laughs> Woo, yeah. I, wouldn't, I won't say end the game because I'm losing to Brad right now. Continue. <laughs> Oh, we got a long way. Oscar Robinson, a big O. Eric Mint, you're up. You're leading off. How old is the big O, Oscar Robertson? Uh, 77. And Brad? I'm going to go 85. And E-Mindy? I'm going to go 76. He is 82. So that puts Brad's 85 as the point. No, we can't let Brad win, everybody. Eric, come on, let's join forces. Eric's combined. Yes, Carl Doc. 
Oh, Carl Malone. We don't give him any positive praise on here. Second all time in scoring. No, we don't talk. We don't talk up yeah. Carl Malone. He is an awful human being. No, Carl Malone love. We love yeah. Carl. We love Shaq, or at least no, I do. No, we do. We don't love Carl Malone. Triple Play does not love Carl Malone. Uh, but he is fifty-five. I'm gonna go fifty-three. I said fifty-nine. He is fifty-seven. So that's actually a point for both Eric's. Woo! Nice. Good double Eric. We're coming for you, bud. (laughs) Team team Eric with the point. All right, six up. Julius, Dr. J. Irving, Brad. Oh, wow. 77. Doc. I'm going to go 69. (laughs) Interesting. Um, And E. Mint. 72. Oh, that's 69. We'll do it. But that's worth one because he's 70 years old. All right. So so I kind of knew because my aunt went to the same college as him when they're playing, and she's turning <laughs> 70 in two weeks. There so I was go. like, all right, he, he's in that range. I got three, though. I'm tired wow. with you, Brad. I'm coming back, baby. Come up with the numbers however you can. Ooh. All right. We got AI, Allen Iverson. Eric Mint, you're going to start us off. He's trying to do the math in my head. He's got to be like, what? Like 42? Brad? I'm also going to say 42. That's Mindy? I'm going to one-up y'all and say 43. One for Mindy. He's 45 years old. Oh, I was wow. going to say that. Oh. Man. Right, I'll take the it doesn't even seem right. He's like forever young in my head. <laughs> right? Speaking of forever young, we got the logo. Jerry West. How old is oh, Jerry wow. West, Doc? He's an old fart for sure. Uh, He's the man. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 78. All right, Eric. I'm go 79. I'm gonna say 83. All right, he is 82. That's Eric Mint with the point. Nice. Nine. Cap. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. How old is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Brad? I just watched a documentary on him. Um, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm taking go, Brad Nixon, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go 85. All right. Um, Doc? I'm going to go 84. And Eric? I'm going to go 80. All right. That's you, um, Eric Mint. He is 73 years young, people. Woo. Brad, what, what were, <laughs> were, you, were you high watching this documentary? Did you just miss the part where they said his age? I guess I missed that part. I mean, he did play with he played with Magic, and Magic was six is sixty one. So yeah, got to add twelve to that. That together. All right, our last our last uh, guy is Jason Kidd. We're gonna go with our guest Eric Mint to finish things off. Jason Kidd, fifty seven. All right, and assistant coach for the Lakers, Brad, fifty two, and E. Mindy. I don't think let me let me think about this for a second. I don't think he's that old. I think he's fifty one and he might not even be that old. Yeah, you you're going for the the lowest number. Yeah, he isn't. He he was just out of the league uh, just maybe like three, four years ago. Um he is forty seven years old. Wow. So that's I don't even know why. when you say when you say Alan Iverson's forty five, it makes me feel like Jason Kidd's way older. Yeah. But I know it's kinda 
they played around the same time yeah. though. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um so uh Mindy, do you have the count here? I got five. I think I think me and Eric might be tied unless I, I counted I got wrong. Three. I counted four, but I might have been wrong as well. Let's call it five just because you're a guest, and we'll have a tiebreaker <laughs> here. All right, uh-huh. uh, Michael Jordan, Doc. We just celebrated his birthday. We just celebrated his birthday. Was his birthday. Uh, I'm going to say he just turned 59. And Eric, our guest? I'll say 60. And Brad. Oh, Brad's out of it. Yeah, I'm out. You well, do you matter. well, did you pay attention to my tweet? I did the palindrome thing. It was uh, Jim Brown's birthday. He was 85, and Michael Jordan turned 58 this week. So, Doc, that means you're our champion. Welcome back to the winner's circle, buddy. Woo! 15 seconds. Game is yours. Oh, guys, everybody stop with the love. Oh, oh gosh. I'll sign the autographs <laughs> later. It's nice to be back in the winner's circle, but I'd love to give my face time to the other Eric. Eric, um, appreciate you so much joining us. Is there anything that you're working on, anything that you'd like to plug? Tell the audience where they can find you. You guys can find me on Twitter at Mint Sports. I have my own podcast called The Basement Boys, where it's myself, my two of my good friends, Chris Gray and Devin Mitchell. We talk mostly football, a lot of UFC fighting. I don't know if you guys are into any kind of MMA, but Chris is an expert. He'll make you a lot of money if you're into gambling. Devin is football and hockey. I myself love baseball, football, basketball. So... Check us out. We're on Spotify, YouTube, whatever you use. You know, you know, social media. It's 2021. I don't got to list them for you, but <laughs> find us, the Basement Boys. I mean, thank you guys so much for having me on. It's an honor. Yeah, and it was an honor having you on. And Eric has been part of the content sharing groups that we've on, that we've been on, and talked with him a bunch over the internet. And we said, you know, it's time to actually meet him in person. And my ears perked up. You can't see because it's blocked by headphones. But when you said gambling and making money, woo! I became yeah. the emoji. Make sure you stay tuned and listen to some of our shows. We have some great guests coming on. Make sure you listen to some of our football and baseball shows. Baseball season's right around the corner as well. Before we sign off, Brad and Coach, anything you guys want to say? Stay tuned. Have a great week. All right, everybody stay safe. Wear a mask. Enjoy the warm weather, hopefully coming soon. We'll catch you next time.